What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Joey Milari. Feels good to find a voice back. It was a long scene week at BC. Obviously, the dances we had, and then the Red Sox game didn't have a voice for a little bit. So I didn't record an episode for the last five, six days now, unfortunately. I think my last episode was last Thursday, so... It's been actually more than that. It's been about nine days since my last episode, but finally here, giving a live episode. It's really a podcast upload, so it's not live in the studio here, and I have Paul from Southie here, Paul the Sports Encyclopedia, right next to me here to talk about the Celtics. Big Game 6 matchup tonight in Miami. How are we doing, Paul? Good, Joe. How are you doing tonight? Doing well. Good thing. Uh, good to have you back on. Good to hear your voice, and finally, obviously, a big game. Finally, I can have a voice back, so now we can talk about something, and obviously, throw our podcast up, so here we go. We're going to talk about the Celtics. Preview game six, give our thoughts on the game, talk about how the series has gone so far. Obviously, I haven't done an episode since last Thursday, so a lot's happened since then. The Celtics, we're down 3 nothing in the series, and I'm going to give a quick breakdown of the NBA history and the playoffs with teams that are down 3-0. 92 series out of 150 have ended in a sweep. 44 series of the 150 have ended in five games. 11 of the series ended in six games. And three series ended in seven games. All 150 of those series, the team that was up 3-0 finished the series winning it, no matter what, whether it was in four, five, six, or seven, winning that series. So if you're down 0-3, you are 0-150. Zero wins, 150 losses in NBA history. The Celtics have a chance to make history now. They obviously won the last two games. Finally found a hot streak. I think they've realized they are a better team than Miami. Even Miami does play better. I think Miami has a better coach. So Eric Spoelstra, you're always going to be in the game. And you have him. And you also have Jimmy Butler, the hottest working player in the NBA in the playoffs, year in and year out. What are your thoughts on tonight's game and the last few games for the Celtics? You can start off wherever you'd like. Well, I like the momentum the Celtics uh, found in game uh, four. Uh, not many people gave him any hope. But something clicked. Uh, the offense has been revitalized, and the defense has uh, come to play the last two games. So I like their chances going forward, especially tonight. I, I think they're going to force a Game 7. Yeah, that's the interesting thing about the Celtics. I think they realized after Game 3, they went into Game 4, down 3-0, and nobody really gave them any expectations. And at the end of the day, most people just counted them out. I sat on a walk with my brother, actually, right before Game 4. I said, I think the Celtics are going to win Game 4 and 5, Games 4 and 5. And if they win both those games, I think they'll win the series in 7. Now, if you look at it, everyone online saying the Celtics are going to win in seven. Everyone said after the Celtics won game four. I thought they'd win in seven just because of the momentum. I thought if they win game four and five, both, I thought that'd be a big, a big, uh, you know, strike to Miami's sales. And I, at the end of the day, Miami still is up 3-2. So it's not like it's over. It's not like the Celtics already have this series, already won in seven games. You still have to win, win another two games. But I thought, if the Celtics, I thought if the Celtics could win games four and five, it would be obviously a big... A big hit there to Miami and their momentum. Now Miami's nervous. The Celtics have lost all of the nerves, and now they're playing fearless since they're already down 3-0. At this point, I mean, if you win two games, it's a good series battle-wise. At the end of the day, you shouldn't be down 3-2 regardless, considering how good the Celtics team is talent-wise. But I think Miami now, now all the pressure's on them. Would you agree? I, I think the pressure's on them without question. They look like a different team in Game 5. It, to me, it looked like they were just saving their energy to go back for Game 6 in Miami, making it their Game 7 tonight. But uh, the Celtics' three-point shots are, uh, are starting to fall in. I think Miami's nervous. It's in their head. And I think tonight you'll see that. I think the Celtics jump out early, and I, I think they can pull away just like they did in Game 5. I would agree with you. I think Celtic, the, for the Celtics, things just started to click. You had Jason Tatum and Jamal Brown only have 21 points apiece in Game 5. But you got big 
scoring nights from Derek White and Marcus Smart. 24 points for Derek White, 23 points for Marcus Smart. Tatum at 21, he struggled from three. He was one of six from three. He obviously needs to shoot better tonight for the Celtics. You're not going to have every single night with Jimmy Butler only has 14 points. And Jimmy struggled. I mean, only 14 points on five of 10 shooting. 0 of 2 from three, 4 of 6 from the free throw line. You know Jimmy Butler's a better player than that. You know he's going to give you more tonight than he did in games five. So you need Jason Tatum to step up. You need him to have a better game. You need Jalen Brown to have a better game. You're not going to have 24 points on Marcus Smart Derek White every night. You're not. No, that was a nice, uh, it was nice to see because those guys there, they shot well all year. Even Al Horford, he's been ice cold in this series. But, you know, uh, it seems like they, they turned it around and momentum started to swing. You hit your first couple threes and then you get a lot of confidence in your shot. Definitely. And I think tonight, Jimmy Butler, you'll see 45 minutes of action from him. He's going to play a better game. Miami knows they need to win this game. I know they know that if it goes back to Boston in Game 7, anything can happen in Game 7. If you lose three straight after being up 3-0, I would almost guarantee the Celtics winning that seventh game. If the Celtics win tonight, I would almost guarantee them winning Game 7. Just the swing of momentum. I thought if they just won Game 4 and then won Game 5, I said to my brother on a walk before Game 4, I said, I think the Celtics are going to win Games 4 and 5. And if they win Games 4 and 5, I think they win the series. Now Miami, this is their last last gasp, gasp in my eyes. I think if they lose tonight, the series over the Celtics win at seven. And that's history, obviously. This will be the 151st time in NBA history where a team is down 0-3 in the playoffs and just the first time in those 151 times where the team came back to win four straight and one in seven. I, I heard a betting line after, uh, game actually, game before four. game four, if you wanted to bet the Celtics to win the series, down 3-0, you put up 100, you would have made 800. Just after winning one game, game four, it went from winning, you bet 100, you'd make 200, meaning everybody gave the Celtics like the best chance to win after just winning one game. So it's that type of uh, sentiment that is, I think is in Miami's head. For some reason, they got you know flabbergasted. I think their confidence went right down the toilet. I would agree with you. I think the confidence, obviously, part of it, and also injuries as well. You still without Tyler Hero, so that's a big loss. That's basically the second best scoring option on offense. Now Bam Adebayo is probably the second best option on offense. But you lose Tyler Hero, who can spread the floor, shoot threes, lights out. That's a big loss. And now Gabe Vincent, like you said, had an ankle injury, suffered in Game Four, missed Game Five. He'll be back tonight in Game Six. Not really too sure what he'll look like on the floor. He'll probably give you twenty to twenty-five, thirty minutes of action just because they need him out there, considering. Duncan Robinson has hit some big shots against the Celtics over his career in the playoffs over the last three of the last four years in the playoffs. But I don't think they want, to, they want to rely on him. I think Gabe Vincent's obviously a better scoring option, and they've been relying on Caleb Martin as well to step up offensively, and he has stepped up. But I think they're going to probably need Gabe Vincent to give them 15 points tonight for them to have a shot. And I don't know if he could do that with the ankle injury. I think he could shoot some threes even with that ankle. I think you can shoot threes on a, on a sore ankle. But can you drive at a sore ankle? Can you play full defense on a sore ankle? Can you run full court in a sore ankle and be in transition? I don't know. So I think Gabe Vincent can rely on his shooting tonight, and that's another question mark. I mean, Jimmy Butler is basically the biggest scoring option, right? After that, I without Tyler Hero, it could be Martin, it could be Vincent, it could be Struess, it could be Robinson, it could be, it could be Adebayo. They need Tyler Hero. Obviously, it's a big loss. I said on my radio show before the series started, I said Tyler Hero – I think if this series goes six or seven games, I think Tyler Hero will be back by game seven. There were no reports about that. That was just in my head. And he's already been practicing now over the last few days. I think if the Celtics win tonight, they force a game seven in Boston, which would be, I believe, Monday night, right? Monday night? I think it's Monday. Let me make sure I'll double check on that. Uh, It will be Monday night, yes. Monday night at 8.30 on TNT. I think if the Celtics win tonight and force a game seven, I I think Tyler Hero will play in game seven. I think they're going to need him at that point. I mean, you know Tyler Hero played last year in the playoffs in Game 7 with that hamstring injury. Couldn't run, couldn't play hard, but he gave it his all. He played through that injury. I think he's going to play through this fractured wrist as well. 
uh, broken hand was it? Uh, broken hand, right? Fractured hand. I think he'll play through that in Game Seven if push comes to shove. I think Vincent, you'll probably know right away if he can go uh, full strength, but that ankle might be tender. So as the game wears on, you know he might wear down. Hopefully, um, I mean I don't I don't want to see anybody get hurt, but he's a streaky three point shooter. For the Celtics' us. sake, though, you, the yeah, Celtics it's a big a advantage if he's not a hundred percent. And again, I I think over the you know the course of the game, he'll probably wear down. I would agree with you there. So the Celts. They won game five by 13 points, won game four by 17 points. There really haven't been too many close games in this series. If you look at it, Miami won game one by seven points, game two by six points, then won game three by 26 points, and the Celtics won by 17 and then by uh, 13. So really only games one and two were the only close games, seven points and six points. I think tonight's going to be a very close game down to the wire. It's at 8.30 on TNT, so... We're just about 45 minutes away from game time here. So we're going to give our predictions for the game. Uh, right before we do that, though, we're going to have to talk about one thing before. We're talking about the Celtics' keys to a win and the Heat' keys to a win. For the Celtics, I'll give my three takes right here for keys uh, in the game for them to win. I think Tatum needs to stop better. He's been cold in four of the first five games to start the game. And historically bad in two of those games to start. The Celtics need him to stop better. Even against the Sixers, he started cold in a good amount of those games as well. Tatum needs to stop better. We can't have an over four, over five start. The Celtics need him to be around two for five in the first quarter, three for five in the first quarter. Be great. Get him going. Get him going early. Another key for the Celtics: containing Jimmy Butler has been a game plan for them the entire series. Jimmy's not going to have fourteen points again tonight. There's no way he's going to go for at least twenty-five, thirty. You know he's going to play better. You have to find a way to figure things out. You know he's going to give you thirty points. I, I would say that. Uh, don't let Bam Adebayo beat you on second-chance points. I know Bam hasn't really killed the Celtics too much yet. He took advantage against the Knicks in that series on second-chance points. was huge. He played well in Game 5. He was, I think, 8 of 15 shooting from the floor with 8 rebounds, a block and 2 steals, 16 points. I think you have to let Bam probably do his thing, get 15 points. You don't Anything more than that would kill the Celtics. He hasn't really scored more than 15 at all over the last three games. I think he's around... Averaging around 14 to 15 points in the last three games. So you need to keep him around there. And then let Jalen Brown drive. Jalen Brown had zero free throw attempts in game five. Let him drive. Let him get to the free throw line. Let him play aggressive. Uh, any keys to the game for you, whether it's coaching, playing-wise, Joe Mazzula, whatever it is. I, I like the fact that the Celtics front court, especially with Robert Williams in there, they've really controlled the boards. I mean, with, with Williams in there, uh, Miami t- – Hasn't gotten a lot of second-chance baskets. Um, I would like to see the Celtics drive to the basket more because their free throws, you know, they, they should be shooting more free throws per game. But ultimately, they're a three-point shooting team, so uh, they'll live and die by the three. So hopefully they start out hot with three tonight uh, from the three, and then I think the confidence will uh, will kick in, and they'll only get better as the game wears on. I, I like the Celtics by by probably double digits. I think it'll be a close game. I'm going to say Celtics win this one by five points. I think it's going to be a very close game down to the wide. Maybe hit a couple free throws at the end. Uh, one note here is Celtics' sixth man of the Amelka Brogdon will be out of tonight's game with a forearm injury. That's a big loss there with a right forearm strain. He was hurt in game five. He was over two from the forward, zero points. Obviously a big loss there. That means more Derek White minutes, maybe even more Payne Pritchard minutes. Maybe even Grant Williams. I Grant forgot Williams to well. mention Grant him. Grant Williams is your boy, his, yeah. His energy has been uh, very Electric. clear. Yeah, I, I think they need him uh, you know, for some valuable minutes here. He ups it. He goes after every loose ball. 
You obviously saw what he did against Jimmy Butler, even though it might have worked against him. But Jimmy Butler had a jarring edge. Yeah. I think Jimmy played better after that. But I mean, they, they need someone that could step up right. to Spock right off the bench. I like I like Grant Williams coming in and lighting up that second team. Uh, so with, with uh, Malcolm Brogdon out, hopefully uh, you'll see Grant Williams get some more minutes. Definitely, and I think one thing with Grant Williams is he was out of rotation for a little bit, and and the last three games he's been playing, game. Four it was, or game three, 12 points, five of seven from the floor, two of three from three, three rebounds, two assists. Game four, 14 points, four of seven to the floor, four of six from three, four of six from three is great. Six rebounds, two assists, and a steal in 29 minutes of action. Then in 27 minutes in game five, six points, one of four from three, four rebounds. You probably need around 25 to 30 minutes from him again tonight, considering Brogdon's out, and who knows what you'll get from Derek White. I think Derek White's going to have a good game. I don't think he's going to have the 20. Four points he did last game, so that means maybe more shot opportunity for Grant Williams if Derek White goes cold. Grant Williams is a streaky shooter, though. He can hit some threes in some moments, kind of like Caleb Martin. I mean, they come off the bench, really more of a defensive play than an offensive threat. They can hit some shots uh, when need be. Uh, as to Miami, though, keys to the game for them. I think they're going to put all their faith in Jimmy Butler as they have the entire playoffs this this year. I mean, that's what they've done over the last few years. They probably need Caleb Martin or Max Struess to step up. With Gabe Vincent probably being 70 to 80%, that's just, just off the top of my head here, but coming off an ankle injury, I don't think he's going to be 100%, especially after only three days of rest. I think if you look at it, I think they're probably going to need Caleb Martin to probably have 15 points, Max Struess to have 15 points, and Bam out of have 20 if they want to win this game. And that's a lot to ask for there, but it's not impossible considering Jimmy Butler's probably going to take around 20 shots, 15 to 20 shots. That leaves a good amount of shots to the rest of the team, which means Martin, Struess, Probably get a fair share uh, amount of shots there. Uh, what do you think for keys to the game for Miami? Probably hope Jason Tatum starts cold since that was something they took advantage of in two of the first three games that they won in the series. What are thoughts uh, for Miami? Probably need Jimmy Butler to give you 30 points. That's probably key to the game. Well, he's certainly capable of getting 30 or even 40. Um, I think the Celtics got to double-team him and, and force him to pass it. I mean, that, that turnaround you know, outside the lane is, has been really lethal. Even when he misses it, the referee seems to call a foul every time he takes that post up down low. So I don't want to see him beat us, whether it's uh, that turnaround or on free throw. So I hope they double-team him. He forces the ball outside. And I think Miami's got a lot of streaky three-point shooters. And if they're cold, when pressure starts building, I think it's going to work in the Celtics' favor. So we'll see what happens tonight. I have the Celtics winning by five. You have the Celtics winning by double digits, you said, which would be online with the pattern of the last two games. Celtics winning both of the last two games by double digits. I think if the Celtics win tonight, they win game seven. I think this is do or die for Miami. I kind of felt it was do or die for Miami in game five. I had a feeling in game five, kind of like I did in game six of the Bruins against the Panthers in the first round. I said if the Panthers win game six, and the Bruins don't win Game 6, and it goes back to Boston in Game 7. I thought, the, I thought the Bruins would lose that series. That's what happened in Game 7. The Bruins lost that series uh, in a bad overtime loss in Game 7. I thought the Celtics had to win, or rather the Bruins had to win that Game 6 game in Florida. I thought if it went back to Boston in Game 7, that would be a worry. All the momentum shifted after the Panthers down 3-1. to one. When it becomes 3-3, all the momentum shifts. The pressure's on the Bruins. goes back to Boston, even with the Bruins having home ice advantage. I liked Florida in that Game 7 game to win that game. Whether I was rooting for them, that's not the case, but I liked them to win it, meaning from a sports radio perspective, I gave a prediction. I thought Florida would win that game. I don't think I was live on air, but I told some people, I remember telling my mother, I thought Florida would win that game in Game 7. I think the same goes here for Miami. This is do or die for Miami in Game 6, just like it was do or die for the Boston Bruins in Game 6. 
I think the Bruins had to win in Game 6. They didn't. I think the Heat have to win tonight. They're not going to win in Game 7 in Boston. I don't see that possible at all because their confidence just be totally lost. If they had three chances to knock this team out and they can't get it done in three, they'll never think they're going to get it done in four. You're right. You're right. So you're saying by the third game. If they can't do it by that third game, yeah. yeah. They're, gonna lose all their they're not going to win by that fourth one, yeah. Fourth in a row. So, uh, so we'll switch, switch gears really quick here just for one minute talk about the Sox. Chris Sale, one guy that I know you had high expectations for in the offseason. I did as well. Started the year very cold in his first five starts. was one and two. One win, two losses with an 8-2-2 ERA, giving up 30 hits and 21 earned runs in 23 innings pitched. 30 strikeouts to 10 walks with a 38.8% hot hit rate. His last five starts, including last night, 4-0 record, 2-2-3 ERA with a 32.1 innings pitched total. 20 hits allowed, 8 earned runs over that 32 and one-third innings pitched. 35 strikeouts of 4Ks and a 21% hot hit rate. Very impressive stats there for Chris Sale. Only went five and a third innings last night. I'm pretty sure. Let me get that uh, exact uh, box score right here just to make sure I'm getting it right. Only went five innings last night, giving up four hits, one earned run, three strikeouts, and one walk with 73, uh, 73 pitches against the Arizona Diamondbacks, who are having a good season. They had 29-22 on the year. Chris Sales looked great, though, in the last five starts. The Sox lost four in a row, losing three in a row to the Angels before dropping uh, or before winning I guess, uh, last game against the Arizona Diamondbacks last night. They lost the last game in the San Diego Padres series last Sunday, then lost three in a row to the Angels, and then just won yesterday against Arizona 7-2. What have you seen from Chris Sale and the Sox? Hopefully they find their footing just 5-5 five five in the last 10 games, but considering how good the division is, to be 27-24 and now is pretty good. I've been very impressed with Chris Sale. I, I had a feeling that everybody jumped off the bandwagon with Chris Sale. I mean, but... The last few years when he kind of has been non-existent, it's all been pretty much injuries. I'm shocked that he can get his velocity up to 97 again after being pretty much on the shelf for like a couple of years. Um, his slider looks like the old slider. He basically has come back to the old Chris Sale. So um, the Red Sox had that losing streak, and the, and the wins, uh, he stopped them both times. His last two games he won. I think, well, just like he said, he's 4-0. and So he he's the... The losing streak stop, which which every rotation needs. So um, I just see bigger and better things for him going forward. And uh, I think he's back to the old Chris Sale. He pitched against some good offensive lineups. You go know, the Phillies lineup. They've been struggling to start the year, but that was his fourth to last start. So a little bit you know ways ago, his first start in that five start stretch was Cleveland, then Philly, then St. Louis, then San Diego, then Arizona. Even the Phillies were struggling, still have a good offensive lineup. Trey Turner, Nick Castellanos, Kyle Schwarber. That's a good lineup there. San Diego's got a great lineup. He went seven innings against San Diego last week. Three hits, two runs uh, in those seven innings pitched. Uh, and then St. Louis as well. Very good lineup. Went eight innings in that game. Didn't get the win, though. The Sox blew that game, unfortunately, giving up three hits and one run on May 13th. Uh, but one thing I've seen out of Chris Sale is obviously the velocity has been great. His innings have gone up. He's been pitching great. If you look at it, April 30th, April 30th against Cleveland, he got an out in the seventh inning for the first time since August of 2019, which the craziest part of that is I remember I was getting lunch with my buddy Dylan just a couple days after that, and I said to him, I said, Chris Sale just got his first out in the seventh inning since August of 2019. Before we started BC was the last time Chris Sale recorded out in the seventh inning, and he did it in my senior year with about a week to go, uh, one week of classes left, which is nuts. But now he's playing good baseball, and I know me and you both liked him to potentially be a Cy Young candidate this year, and even though it's a long season, there's ways to go here. 
I still don't see it being impossible for him. His ERA is 472 on the year. He does have to get down. But another couple good outings, three out of the next four games, he has a good outing and goes six or seven innings in each of those, limiting himself to two runs or less. It's not impossible. I'm not saying it's likely. He's not a favorite, but it's not impossible. It's a long season. You get about 32 starts as a starting pitcher every year if you stay healthy. He might not stay fully healthy for 32 starts. He might give you about 28, 27, which would be a great year for him, considering he only went nine games in 2021, two games in 2022, and 10 games this year in 2023. He only had 11 starts between 2020, 2021, and 2022. That's nuts. Missed all of 2020, nine starts in 2021, and just two starts in 2022. You'll take whatever you can get out of him. But I know me and you both had high expectations and potentially thought he could be a Cy Young candidate. Absolutely. Like I said, uh, it was injuries that kept him out of the game for all those years. I mean, just remember, you know, before we got hurt, fell off the bike, uh, got hit with the line drive. Against Aaron Hicks and the Yankees last year. Exactly. I mean, he was... He, he Tommy sta- John surgery. He started three straight All-Star games. It's amazing that he come back to almost look like the old Chris Sale, but... No one thought it. <laughs> just hit 97 consistently. Is, is is amazing to me. Definitely. His fastball was a little bit down last night. Uh, he didn't really pitch much this week. Any, no bullpen sessions is, or limited ones from Alex Cora, according to Alex Cora last night, uh, since he was battling a stomach virus all week. Luckily, he pitched well enough for the Sox to get the win last night. Sox got the win. They're playing today against Arizona as well with Garrett Whitlock on the mound, returning to the mound, finally getting healthy. The Sox need Whitlock healthy. He's been another guy that's been str- struggling with injuries over the last I guess middle of the last season to now, he's been struggling with injuries and finally starting to find some health now. That's what the Sox obviously need. Uh, on the year, he's only pitched 16 innings. So uh, heading into tonight, just 16 innings for him with a 6.19 ERA. Need him to be better. Yeah, Whitlock's got great stuff. I mean, once he finds his groove, hopefully he could be the pitcher that we had in, what was it, 2000? Uh, 21. 2021, yeah. when he was great out of the bullpen. Out of the bullpen, he, he was solid. Solid. Definitely. So, um, you know he's got great stuff. He's a smart guy. He's an innings eater up. Um, he'll be a valuable uh, member of the rotation. Definitely. I would agree with you there. And so one last thing I want to mention here is uh, tonight's game's already going on. We're sitting here. It's 8.02. Alex Rodriguez was on the plate. Sox are down one nothing here in the top of the third inning. Uh, but heading into tonight, Jaron Duran was 1 for 23 in his last 23 at-bats. 0-19 in his last 19 at-bats heading into tonight. Still holding the best the best OPS on the team heading into tonight with an 837 OPS. Has been struggling. His batting average was still 300 heading into tonight. I still have confidence in him. I know you do as well. Obviously, things haven't gone his way over the last 20 at-bats or so, but it's a long season, and that's why baseball is 162 games. Your averages tend to average out to the player you are, just like win-loss records typically average out to where you're going to be at. I think Jaron Durant's still going to be a good hitter. I know, obviously, it's been a tough stretch over the last 23 games. I still confidence in him. Do you as well? Absolutely. He seems to be much more selective at the plate. I mean, it was a big improvement from last year. Every hitter goes through a slump. I mean, hopefully the slump is over. I think he had a shot tonight, solid contact. So um, hopefully he'll come out of it. I mean, he was batting 400 for like a week, it seems. So uh, he's definitely a better hitter than he was last year. Definitely. If you look at it, I mean, Alex Verdugo is a guy that was struggling heading into last night. Uh, he was great last night. The three for five last night with a double in an RBI, helping the Sox get that win. He was over fourteen heading into last night, but was three for five, big double, big RBI, and had his family in attendance there at Chase Field in Arizona. Also had the hottest hit ball of his career last night, which topped out at one hundred twelve point one miles an hour, one hundred twelve point four miles an hour last night. Uh, so obviously maybe his family being there was a spark he needed. 
Kike Hernandez played very well. It was one for three last night with a home run and a walk. Two-run home run for him. Tristan Casas uh, had a good game as well. Sox need him to get going. He's been struggling at the plate, but he played well last night. It was three for five with an RBI. Rymel Tapia and Justin Turner was two for five last night. Uh, each two for five, both with an RBI apiece. And then Connor Wong had two doubles last night, two for four with an RBI. And then Josh Winkowski... Uh, had three innings out of the pen, giving up just one run. Uh, so good things for the Sox last night all around. Uh, and one guy I know you're a fan of is Alex Verdugo. All those guys kind of just named. I know you've liked uh, you know each of those players. But good to see Verdugo get back on track with a 3-for-5 game last night. Oh, yeah, he's a vital part of that offense. Uh, he gets on base, he makes contact, hits to all fields, and has a little power. So uh, it's good to see his bat come alive last night after sitting for a game or two. So... That'll wrap up tonight's episode. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. As always, I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Paul, for coming on. Much appreciated, as always. You're the best in the business. Thank you. Always a pleasure, Joe. We'll do it again soon. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope everybody has a great Memorial Day weekend. Enjoy it. It's only Saturday, so still a couple days left. Hopefully you guys are enjoying the sun uh, and getting out there and seeing the nice weather. Hopefully the Celtics can get a win tonight in Game 6. Win or lose, I'll be giving a breakdown hopefully in the next day or two, but Thank you guys for listening in. Much appreciated as always. I hope you guys have a good one. Thank you.